Hello and welcome to episode 1137 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, February 6th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, good day, sir. Good day to you. How you doing, my friend? Doing quite well. Uh, nice afternoon here. Beautiful weather. We love to give our weather updates. Uh, obviously, it's in the afternoon, so mm-hmm. uh, you know we're not freezing the way we have been on some mornings. What's the, what's the afternoon weather been like over there? You guys getting decent weather? Oh, yeah, it's actually pretty nice right now. I'd say it's like mid-50s. Um, oh, nice. We're up to 70s. Very 71. sunny. If, if, you're, if you're watching live, you can see the sun poking yeah, through I my can. window and door. It looks so, great. I got yeah, a blackout shade because the little half window up there during the summer can get pretty intense and, and fire this yeah. place up by 10, 12 degrees. Pretty, and you guys know I like it hot, but I do have limits. I, I don't want to be sweltering. I'm not trying to sweat during the day. But more importantly... I had a new shirt come in today. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a beautiful shirt. Uh, the Bronx Barkers uh, with the little wiener dogs on it from Roto uh, Wear. Uh, I'm wearing a Roto Wear shirt as well. Yes, you for are. Those who are watching on the YouTube, <laughs> uh, the baby Yoda with the Justin face. If you're familiar mm-hmm. with Roto Wear Justin face, you know what we're talking about. It's very adorable. And uh, shouts to Kevin Rizzo and Penny Judge, the two wiener dogs represented here on this shirt. Got one for both Jen and I. Uh, we're matching today like a couple of dweebs. And I, I love that your daughter wanted yeah. your shirt. And you said, yeah. oh, well, baby, we we, we got you one. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, with daddy's face on it? No, 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 no. Yeah. I want one with my face on it. That's yeah. so funny. Mm-hmm. You might yeah, have to talk. You might have talked to Rotoware and see what. Yeah, I might have talked to Kenny about that and see see what we can uh, pull together. Uh, I mean, it's just as good as like my my elder uh, child who um, uh, when they were you know like in elementary school uh, thought I was famous because of the <laughs> shirt. Like, you are. You uh, are. And, and they would wear you know Justin Mason shirts around their uh, around their school and and thinking like they were like designer type. Like, what's up? Yeah. You guys so, know this, right? Y'all yeah. Know this. That's my dad. Like that's my dad. It, if and you... everybody's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. No like, clue. None of them. None of our dads play fantasy baseball. Mm-hmm. You do. Uh, but yeah, Rotoware, obviously always doing free promo for them. We love them. They're the best. I also got uh, my, the Miami ACE in the form of Miami vice with my Sandy Alcantara. Nice. So I'm very, very excited to wear that one. But anyway, we're going to talk some pitching today, not starting pitching yet. I'm finishing my, my projections. Everything will be done, locked, loaded by the Super Bowl. As you know, that's my official start of the season, so I've I put myself on that deadline. If I don't have everything done on Sunday, you know, 10, 10 lashes to my hands. But everything will be locked, loaded. My outfielders will be up probably – if you listen to this on Tuesday, they should already be up. Uh, catchers will be done. Starting pitchers – projections will be done by the super bowl the, the articles might not be up yet and then relief pitcher i'll probably just do a ranking i don't know if i'm gonna deep dive anything you even said like yeah. you don't draft I, off the projection of them. i yeah no i did projections so all of my projections are done they will be up on the patreon as of uh monday after the super bowl as well my ranks are already up there mm-hmm. and they're updated i don't really do like i don't really draft off of projections i may do like a ranking but i probably actually what I'll do is some sort of like depth chart. Like, Hey, these are, yeah. you mean for relievers, like, right? That you don't for, for relie- projection. Yeah, okay. yeah. For relievers. Um, so I'll probably do some sort of depth chart type thing where it says, Hey, this is the guy. Uh, this is the guy who I think would be next up, yes. you know, and this is how confident, like I'll probably do some sort of color coded system of like, Hey, I feel confident about this guy keeping the job and this guy not, um, because the hard part with relievers is depending on what league you draft in, mm-hmm. uh, the price is just massively different. Like, yep. you know, 
you know, the price you have to pay in NFBC versus the price you have to pay in ESPN or versus like something like Tout Wars or, you know, it just it's just so massively different that I don't think it's fair to kind of rank those guys based on any sort of dollar value or anything like that because the dollar values change based on the inflation of your own particular league. So I think so you should know your own league. Yes. Um, but I like when I do like my put my projections up there with all the dollar values, that'll just be for a generic league, right? So you if you're new to a league, you can go, oh, you know, this is, you know, what a generic number is. Um, and then you can adjust it accordingly based on your league's format. That's perfect. And um, yeah, it's, I, I think you can say that about most uh, positions where like, oh, your league matters, but especially closers, right? How does your league attack mm-hmm. closers? How do they value them? Do you do saves plus holds? Of course, that's going to change things too. So I, what I did last year was the chart where I had ace. They were blue. High uh, high uh, uh, stability was, was green. Medium was yellow. And then unstable was, of course, red. And then I had a next up and a dark horse. So, you know, similar type of thing that you've seen around the industry. Yeah. And then I did a ranking one, two, 75 relievers so that that includes uh holds in there too and i'll do that this year where i have a saves holds ranking for mm-hmm. those because i know those are becoming a lot more popular but today yeah, we're i'll do talk, something like that as well today we're going to talk about the al and kind of go through and, and you'll talk about how you feel about their stability and, and where they're at and some of the next guys up i do have one two three four five six six teams that do have two guys listed because those seem the the most uh up in the air to me but if there's a couple others here that i'm just eyeballing that we should definitely be talking about like I like Carlos Estevez in LA, but I'm not going to pretend that he's unchallenged. And mm-hmm. in Alex Lang in Detroit with Soto gone, yes, I like him as the front runner, but he's not unchallenged either. So we'll talk about it. But we're going to go in alphabetical order by division. So we will start in the AL East, go Baltimore to Toronto, then Cleveland to Minnesota, Houston to Texas. So let's start in the East, Baltimore, the Mountain. Felix Bautista took over when Jorge Lopez left last year. And they didn't miss a beat because Lopez, of course, had that huge breakout first half with them. We'll talk to him when we get to Minnesota. Um, and Bautista took the rollover and was an absolute monster. Wound up with 15 saves, 219 ERA, .93 whip, and uh, 88 strikeouts in 65 and two-thirds. Absolute badass. The 28-year-old righty looks like he should be the unchallenged guy. Now, he's like your standard reliever where he does have some command issues. But everything I'm seeing here lines him up as a top 10 guy for me. Am I, am I too high on Felix Bautista? You might be too low to be quite okay. honest. Um, okay. And you know, I'm kind of jumping on the bandwagon a little late. You know, you were a big fan of his last year uh, during the season mm-hmm. uh, and grabbed shares of him kind of everywhere. Uh, <clears throat> I was kind of temperate on him. I was like, Oh no, top 10 seems about right. Uh, you know, kind of coming into draft season. And then I sat down with Alex fast for the friends fans benefits uh, Orioles preview. Um, and he was talking about that Bautista, and I, I don't want to don't want to misquote him, but I believe he said that if you look by stuff plus, he's got like two top ten pitches or something like that. I can believe that. Uh, and I was like, whoa, that's really really interesting. Um, I didn't realize just how nasty his stuff was. And he brought the walk rate down last year. The home run rate's always been good. That park also protects him uh, with the home run rate a little bit as well. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like Batista a lot. I think he's going a little bit underdrafted if we're talking like NFBC ADP. I think the only thing that holds him back is how good are the Orioles actually going to be this year? It's really kind of yeah. hard to tell. They didn't make any real major additions other than Kyle Gibson. Yeah, and 
So I think they're feeling like addition is coming via growth, which yeah. I get. I understand that they, you know, they could have gone out there and made a big move. I, I think it would have been really interesting for them to go get a big shortstop, put Gunnar Henderson over at third. But I, I don't blame them for not. I don't think that they failed the offseason because of it. But they're hoping that a full season of Adley, a full season of Gunner, um, you know, more Cedric, uh, more of the same for Cedric and Santander, maybe mm -hmm. Mount Castle regaining some of the home run prowess. Grayson Rodriguez coming up. Grayson Rodriguez. Hall, yeah. Yep. And then, um, you know, that continued development of their pitching staff too. I think Bradish is probably the the best one there, in my opinion, at least. But Bradish, Tyler too. Wells, Austin Voth, all three of them could have some. Uh, Dean Kramer, I don't want to, I don't want to leave him out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Gibson and Cole Irvin were the really only big pickups. But I still think they're a solid team. So even if they do fall back a bit, they won 83 games last year. Let's say they flip it. They go 79 and 83 this year. He, Bautista can still get 25, 30 saves. I absolutely yeah. believe that. So I have him high. I like him. He's RP8 off the board. I got no problem with that. I would be taking him as high as – yeah, you, you said you know might be low just saying he's a top 10. I can get up maybe as high as six, five or six because – we see here in the AL, RP6 is listed. If you see here, there in the uh, AL West, I think I like Bautista better than that guy. I mean, I'll just say who it is, Ryan Presley. I, I, I think I do. I think the only thing you question with that is just how good Houston is and how many versus, opportunities yeah. that he's The raw get. saves versus yeah. the, the, the talent of the pitcher. That, that's yeah. a good call. That's a good And call. so I think that's the only real kind of uh, like difference between two of them where I go, okay, I might take Presley. But you can typically get... Bautista cheaper than Presley. Presley's going off the board around pick 60. Bautista going off the board about 10 to 15 picks later. So, mm -hmm. like, you can usually wait around and then get Bautista the next round. And I think that's what I'm going to end up doing most of the time. I think so, too. Curious your thoughts on this guy for sure. Boston's had a really interesting offseason, and I put interesting there so that I didn't say anything mean because I'm trying to be nice today. Um, and <laughs> Kenley Jansen was a part of it. And look, I can't pretend he's bad because he's certainly not he had 41 saves last year i want to say that that might have led the league if i'm remembering correctly it was certainly up there yeah it led the national league um you know 64 innings of a 338 and a 105 era whip combo there's i i can't find anything that says he's bad but is he still very good i don't know 1.1 homer nine has me a bit concerned um, Kenley Jansen did well in Atlanta, but he's going to Boston. He'll be 35. He's had that persistent heart issue that we never know when it's going to flare up. Mm -hmm. Hard to blame him for that. That's just something that he's dealing with, but it is part of the equation. How do you feel about Kenley Jansen going to Boston? I mean, I feel pretty good about him. I feel like he is the last of like the really safe closers or mm -hmm. one of the last. I think you throw Bednar in that too, but like Bednar's got – questions about the team he's got major team problems yeah and then like is he gonna get traded at some point i mean you know like, the amount of money team or amount of things teams will give up for relievers with control uh, especially when you've got teams like the dodgers who do not have a set closer right now um you would think that he's potentially could get traded and then is he the closer in his next situation i think he would be but um but jansen i think is kind of a very unattractive but kind of stable entity like he's not he's no longer the elite guy that he used to be he's not a top three closer or anything like that but if he finishes with i don't know top three numbers in in terms of saves this year i would not be surprised i wouldn't all. either uh, i really uh, wouldn't uh in spite of the fact that i think the red sox are very good and they're they may actually be the worst team in that division mm-hmm 
No, I, I, I agree with all that, and that's what gives me some of the trepidation. But then, like I said, I keep looking at the numbers, and I'm like, he's still very good. And it does get dire at closer pretty quickly. And so if you look at Kenley Jansen as that life raft before it jumps down a level or two, I totally get that. And so maybe it's the principle of rather be a year early than a year late. And mm -hmm. so if you jump off this year and he puts up another 37, 38 saves, you say, okay, I get it. And then if in 24 he has, you know, 17 saves, loses the job, and those of us that weren't huge fans of him say, this is what we thought was going to happen last year, then that principle comes out to be the case of, of, of the year early instead of year late. So I think that's kind of where I'm at with him. And so I'm trying not to get him, but I'm not going to avoid him. And if, and if he is that last guy there and I'm saying, okay, before it's either Jansen or I jump down a, a tier or two, I'm probably going to wind up with him. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let my bias yeah. play too hard there because I do want somebody who's going to have the – if Kenley Jansen's healthy, he is their closer unless he yeah. just melts down. Especially like when we start talking about like the next guy on the list, like I think it's a really yeah. good transition. It's perfect. Um, is especially when we're talking about a fab league where um, I can't like rot like because with Kenley, like or well, with the next guy, with let's, let's bring him in. Yeah, Clay yeah, Holmes with the Yankees. I feel like I don't know for like I feel like he should be the closer. I feel like he probably will be the closer to start, but I also feel like there's a lot of injury issues. There's a lot of other capable guys in that bullpen. I also could see the Yankees be a team that goes after a guy like David Bednar or, you know, a, Scott Barlow uh, we talked about. With yeah. Scott Barlow. Pickup. Mm -hmm. And so like, if I roster Clay Holmes, I feel like I have to roster the entire Yankees bullpen in, mm -hmm. a, in a draft champions. And you can't do that in a fab league. So going back to Kenley Jansen, I'd much rather pay up a little bit more for him than a guy like Clay Holmes. Cause I know for sure he is the guy as long as he's healthy. Yeah, and I think that, like you said, this was a perfect transition to talk about that jump because Clay Holmes is the 12th re reliever off the board, and you're facing getting somebody like that with the uncertainty because we don't know if he is the guy yet. It's a safe assumption based on who's there and the talent that he displayed last year, but they haven't come out and said, sign, sealed, delivered, it's Clay Holmes, but he was brilliant. He really, really was um, 63 and two thirds. He ended up with 20 saves. Obviously, didn't have the job all year, but a 254 ERA and a 102 whip. He's really been excellent since getting to New York. Uh, the 28, 28 innings that he had with them in 2001 were even better 161, 079 on the ERA and whip. So they've really turned him into a god. They saw something a little bit raw from Pittsburgh. They got him over there, and he has just boom shot off to another level. But had some injury issues, like you said. Mm -hmm. There's guys lurking there that if if Jonathan Loisinger got himself back together, would you be surprised if he took over the job? No. Um, and so there is some of that uncertainty there, but he's really, really good. And I do think – I will say this. I think the market is pricing him fairly because it, it would be easy for the market to just have Clay Holmes at the seventh, eighth reliever because he's the perceived Yankees guy, and it wouldn't have surprised me. I'm actually pleasantly surprised that he's 12, which is not a terrible price for Holmes. Yeah, it's not a terrible price, and I have drafted him in a couple of DCs already. But like I said, then I feel like I have to like go get Loisica, you know, yeah. um, you know, maybe even Tommy Canley, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, Rob Marciano. I can never, I can't pronounce Mar Mar Marinaccio, I believe. Marinaccio. Um, uh, I talked about him with uh, Sammy from uh, the uh, Catchers podcast. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, he, missed, he missed a ton of bats last year, Ronnie. Yeah, Ron and, so he, and I, I've been able to get him in like the 50th round of, of draft and hold league. So, like, just taking dart throws. But I feel like 
especially with the injury issue last year, I, I just am a little bit scared about Clay Holmes. Mm-hmm. And like I said, then like, you know, if the Yankees decide they want to upgrade, which I'm sure they will at some point, the easiest place for them to upgrade is in that bullpen is to yeah. just bring in a shutdown closer and make Clay Holmes like an electric setup guy. Yep. Uh, and he goes right back in that bullpen. So goes, I'm just a little worried about that. He goes right back to being a fireman and there's no harm, no foul there. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so I get that too. And that is a concern I share with Clay Holmes. I'll tell you what, man, I'm pretty excited about this next guy, especially at the price. And I'm encouraged by the signing of Pete Fairbanks by Tampa Bay. I think showing that confidence in there has to give us some confidence that he's the dude too. And we've seen them anoint dudes before, right? Like we know the turmoil or not even turmoil, but just the, the, lack of certainty that can happen in a raised bullpen. They've shown it over multiple years, but at different times they've had guys that are the dude too, where, yeah, they don't get every single singer, single solitary save, but they get more than the lion's share. They get perfectly, you know, they miss a 10% of them. They get 90% of them or even 85% of them, which is still wonderful, especially on a quality team. I think Fairbanks is going to be that guy. If he's healthy, I think his health is a bigger concern and it's a fair concern. Don't get me wrong. But he's RP21, and that feels like a steal right now because with that deal, I think he's the dude. And even though he's never had more than eight career saves, which was last year, uh, five the year before, it was only 24 innings. It was a 44% K rate, 3% walk rate, utter insanity with his stuff. I'm buying in because I think the, the market has fairly priced him, more than fairly priced him, has underpriced him to where I can take on that injury risk with Pete Fairbanks and he's not all the eggs in one basket. Do you share the same interest in Pete Fairbanks or do you remain nervous because of the uh, the Rays' history and his injury? Yeah, I, I mean, the combination of the Rays' history and Pete Fairbanks' history have me just wanting to fade that whole situation. I just, I mean, they ha- the last two seasons, they haven't had any individual reliever get 15 saves. But they um, haven't had a healthy Pete Fairbanks either. Yeah. Do they have one now? Like I just, that, I, and that I don't know, but doesn't that yeah. that's fully covered in the price. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not, you know how I say, I don't want to double count that. They let Emilio Pagan get 20 saves. And I say that derisively because Emilio Pagan is a home run machine. He should never be closing. And and he got 20 saves for them back in 2019. I mean, they got like Alex Colomay and Fernando and I, Rodney. I was going to say, Colomay yeah. was the guy for a moment, too. Like, he mm-hmm. had multiple seasons, and he got too expensive. They've committed to Fairbanks as the dude. They gave him a contract. And so they must be happy enough with his medicals to believe that he can do something. You know, it's only $4 million a year. Let's not pretend that they're yeah. paying him over the top. But for Tampa Bay, that is something. And I think that that is a, a punched ticket that when he's healthy – He's the dude. And so I think there's like just like a non-zero chance that anybody on this team has 25 saves. Um, And that I can't can't disagree with that. And and that to me just doesn't make it worth my time. It takes Um, a Fairbanks injury, I think, for that to happen. Or or an injury to a guy like Jason Adam or, you know, one of the guys behind him for for him to make sure he's getting all of the role. So um, I just. Yeah. I, I, I'm just staying away from it. I think you're missing a. I, mean, I think you're missing a gem there. He's there's just such. He's so there's nice just too many play. guys after him that I feel a lot more confident they are getting a fair share of the role. And really? for that okay, reason, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, we're about, talk, we'll talk we're about some talk of those about, dudes. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about some of those dudes. And I'm curious who you think because I, I, I'm sold on on Fairbanks. Uh, Fairbanks' talent. Uh, let's talk Toronto. 
Jordan Romano, he's one of the lockdowns. He's RP number four. Not a whole lot to say here. I think it's obviously his job uh, unquestioned. And I think he's a monster. Uh, 211-102 whip last year. ERA whip combo, excuse me. 73 strikeouts in 64 innings. 36 saves. The 30-year-old is a stud. The only thing he's ever really had is some injury issues himself. But he's made it 60-plus innings each of the last two years. Do you have any concerns about Romano that keep you from drafting him and paying the full price this year at, at RP4? No, I just haven't ended up with him anywhere yet. Um, Me neither. Even though I do like him, I just yeah. I haven't well, just, landed on him, as they say. I came really close in this most recent draft that I'm in to get It was a fun him. draft that you did, by the way. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. we're 20 rounds in. I really like my team, even though it's not like perfectly constructed in the way that I thought it would be. But he almost fell to me in the fourth round, um, and I got really, really excited. And ended up with Shane McClanahan instead because uh, he went about three picks ahead of me, uh, which is a pretty fine consolation prize. I will um, say so. Yeah, especially because I think McClanahan probably should be going in the third round. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with him. I, I guess there's a little bit of injury concern. He's not missed, like, large chunks of time or anything, no. but he just always seems to have – the scariest sounding injury, right? You think like it's done, it's over. Yeah. Rush out and get whoever's. Yeah, know, like go, oh, go pick up Julian Merriweather or yeah. go pick up Jimmy. Get Garcia. Anthony Bass, dude. Uh, They're gonna have to put Jordan him back in the role. Romano is done. Um, and then like two or three days later, after like you know just getting the weekend off, he's like fine. Yeah. Um, and so like, I don't think he has that much more injurious than just about any other pitcher at this point. Um, and so, yeah, I have no problem where he's going as kind of a top five closer. Yep. Uh, fourth off the board, pick 57. I'm willing to pay that. It is it is full freight, but you're getting a, uh, mm -hmm. a premium guy for it. All right, let's shift over to the AL Central. This is one of the best guys out there as well, Emmanuel Classe. He's RP number two behind only Edwin Diaz. And even sometimes then, he, he does go ahead of him on occasion. Mm -hmm. uh, Diaz goes pick 30 generally, and Classe's pick 34. So they're right next to each other. Do you agree with him as a top two guy, and are you paying the the toll on uh, Class A? Yeah, I mean, I I took Edwin Diaz in you know kind of uh, uh, middle of the second round in this draft that I'm in, and I definitely debated taking Class A instead. Um, I think they are just about interchangeable. I think they are kind of one A one B Class A and Diaz. So yeah, no problem taking him early uh, where he's going. I think he's absolutely elite. I think the uh, Guardians are going to still be the best team in that division, or at least be in com you know competition for winning that division. So um, I've got yeah no real concerns about him at all. No, and we don't have to belabor the point on on guys like this because uh, they're just there's just not a whole lot to say. But I've already got him on two teams, including a Gladiator, where I was I was happy to take him. You know, I saw mm -hmm. where everything was going with the uh, with, with the closers, and I said, you know what. I'm going to get me a goodie, and I went with Classe and locked him up. All right, let's continue on then because it gets a lot more tumultuous throughout the rest of the division for sure. There's some good guys, but there's some uncertainty. Obviously, this is uh, a, a sad scenario for why it's uncertain, and of course, mm -hmm. we'll put the standard caveat out there. We are wishing Liam Hendricks the best. Cannot wait till he gets back. I know that he will fight back and be back on the mound and hopefully beasting and feasting in no time. But in the uh, in the interim, there's going to have to be somebody else for the White Sox. I think the market. Well, I I don't think I know the market is leaning toward Kendall Graveman. Is my boy Raylo getting short shrift though? Kendall Graveman's RP twenty six. Raylo is RP forty six. Where are you going with the White Sox pen, or are you even not? Are you not touching it at all? What, what's your read on? No, that? I, 
I think this is one of the situations where I go, I think I would rather have Kendall Graveman than Pete Fairbanks. Um, I think Graveman is the dude. I know like Ronaldo Lopez has always had his, his stands and stuff like that. And I've always been, do you know any of those guys? I do. Um, I remember having an argument with him, uh, with one of them about that Ronaldo Lopez was not a starter long term. I think I, I may have won that. I, that I don't day. think that guy would. Uh, nah. Yeah. Nah. Uh, I know. I think I know the guy you're talking about. He's never lost an argument about Ronaldo Lopez. So anyway, oh, you're thinking of somebody else probably. Uh, I might be. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Ronaldo Lopez is a really, really good reliever. I think yes, they found is. a really good role for him, but I think they also want to keep him. Um, available for multi-inning stints. So and I, I think I agree there. By the way, if, if just so we're clear that I'm I'm yeah. playing it up. I'm a huge Raylo guy. I'll take him at the RP forty six. I do agree with Justin that Kendall Graveman is the dude, and he's the one I'd be going for. He has limited closing experience, but he does have some closing experience, and he's the more dominant guy too. Yeah, I think so, the the guy to watch out for if you're looking for a handcuff is actually Aaron Bummer. Um, oh, the lefty. Yeah, he's really electric. They have Diekman there uh, as a guy who can be like their main lefty guy if they yep. decide to move Bummer into the rotation. And Graveman's had injury issues and ineffectiveness issues, um, you know, off and on, you know, last year and throughout his career. So if if he were to lose this job, I think it might actually go to Bummer next. Uh, that being said, I think Graveman's the dude, and I think I would much rather have him over Pete Fairbanks. Could you just stop trying to shit on Pete Fairbanks? My God. I, I would still rather take Pete Fairbanks. Can I tell you who could be Ooh, interesting? Well, board, board bet. More saves this year. Oh, yeah. Lock Kendall it. Graveman versus Absolutely. Pete Fairbanks. Absolutely. Min- as, as we were talking, I was bringing up the board bet thing for this one. What do we say? Like minimum uh, how many innings each? No minimum. Just more. more no, no, no injury caveat for either? Okay, fine. I'll no. Take I'll take it. Because that's it. part of the price. But that yeah, you know, fine. You're right. You're right. Fine. I'll take it. I'll take it. That's the only way you beat me. That's the only way you beat me. I've I've I've, I've gotten some really really bad bats already on the board. So I feel like I <laughs> that need is the only way you beat me is if Fairbanks gets hurt. And I like Graven. This is not an anti Graven take. It's a pro Fairbanks take. Um, you know who I'm keeping an eye out for though, and I did draft in a couple DCs. Garrett Crochet. You talk about another lefty. Yeah. And uh, I will say this though, as far as him being the closer, they have said that they're going to bring him back as a multi inning reliever which does make sense, and I think that that's a great fit for him. And if you got Raylo who can go two, and you got Crochet who can go two, both of them can go two is to three at a time. Crochet's not going to be ready, though, till not, midseason. Not for day one. I think before midseason. He, he got his Tommy John in April. Yeah, so I, th- I think late May, early June. Maybe. I, I haven't seen any updates. but Yeah, I haven't necessarily either. It says uh, the latest update was in November. It says expected to contribute at some point in May or June of next season. So Okay. You know, and it could it could push though, right? You know, it only takes one little thing, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it, it's it's the All Star break, right? Because it's if it's June twenty eighth, they say, ah, we'll just we'll just make it till the All Star break, you know, yeah. something like that. So don't go get him in every league. I only took him in in DCs right now, but keep an eye on Garrett Crochet as an interesting reliever. But yeah, Kendall Graveman, I think he is the dude to go for with the White Sox. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez and Aaron Bummer have some intrigue. Detroit cleared out the spot with Gregory Soto being traded. I thought that was a really sharp trade. Um, there's no real reason for them to keep 
a locked-in closer when they can get two offensive pieces, even if Veerling – actually, three, because I like Donnie Sands as a backup catcher too. But uh, Veerling and Maton might not become much of anything, but they're better to have than having a closer. Like, who cares? They, we can get a different all-star. Uh, I know he's been the Tigers all-star for like 12 straight years or some shit. Um, the market is buying Alex Lang, without a doubt. He's RP24 off the board this month, uh, January in D.C.'s. Do you agree with, with Alex Lang as the guy? Are you interested? And who is the handcuff? Those are three separate questions. Take them in order, please. I'm absolutely on board with the market. I think he is the guy, uh, at least to start the season. Uh, he is electric um, mm -hmm. on the mound. Like he, he's, he's just really great really, season. Yeah. I mean, I think just overshadowed kind of by the fact that. Um, you don't have to the, say anything the, mean the about Tigers the Tigers. You, you don't yeah, have to. You, but, you, I knew where you're going. You didn't have to say that. I think he's honestly a little bit better version of, of Gregory Soto. I know right-handed, uh, but he's going to walk guys, but he doesn't give up home runs and yes. he strikes everybody out. Uh, I, I really, really like Alex Lang a lot. Uh, another guy that I would, that is going after Fairbanks that I would take in front of Fairbanks. Um, so if you want to board that, that one, put too. him on there too. Let's do separate ones. Uh, yeah. This is, I'm just, I'm loading up against, uh, Fairbanks. So God, you uh, really are. You're really asking for trouble there. <laughs> or you just asking for him to get, you're, you're going to Nancy Kerrigan him. This is going to be my Mike Zunino is what it is. <laughs> this will be the year that not stay only healthy. does Fairbanks stay healthy, but he, like he gets like 50 saves and. You know, throws like eighty innings and, and then nine innings next year. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> oh man, awful I love it. I love um, it. So uh, yeah, no, I I like uh, I like Lang a lot. I just think he, uh, you know, ADP is obviously rising, but you sure. know that's but what you expect. Fair. Yeah, it's it's like RP twenty four. You're not you're not paying some crazy premium for Alex Lang as the Detroit closer. And again, you know, I don't expect the team to be great this year. Um, he can still get 30 saves though. Gregory Soto's done it, and the Tigers have been shit for a long time now. So yeah. you know he's picked 266. You're just not paying a premium for Alex Lang. Who's your handcuff there if you're if you're locking him up? Uh, I guess it's Jose Cisneros. Um, I, I, see, I think know, I, I think I think the backup is not on this team at the moment. I I think I agree um, with that. I, I think, think I agree like, with that. They bring back like a Michael Fulmer or, or an Andrew Chafin or something yeah. like that. Uh, but right now, especially because like they need a lefty, they need to add a lefty to this mm -hmm. bullpen. So Chafin opted it out though, so they either have to give him more money, or he just didn't like being there. Which I made, I made, made either. Yeah, so uh, it's it's cold there. So um, if he's like me, he look he looks more like you know you got the burly guy with that big hair and the mustache. Andrew Chafin strikes me as somebody who loves when it's cold. Maybe so it, it might, I, I could be misreading. You, you know, I'm, I'm profiling I mean, here a little bit. You know, you've been dealing with frozen temperatures. How do you like frozen temperatures on your mustache? I despise it. Yeah. So I, I absolutely I mean, despise because, it. Like, cause I'm a facial hair guy too, obviously. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, I do not like when my beard freezes. No, that is annoying. It's, it's not, it's not yeah. great. I'm like, it keeps I, your face I, warm, but it, yeah, it, it doesn't feel good. I, I can't get a beard. So I go with the mustache yeah. and it was the first time I had it like actually kind of crunchy. I was like, this really sucks. Yeah. That, that <laughs> this is, is very stupid. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, over to KC. We talked a bit about this when we rolled this Chapman sign. So we won't go too in depth here, but Scott Barlow is the guy and actually has a lot of fantasy interest. And now I think the people that have heavily drafted him in, in draft champion season are probably crapping themselves, especially or in gladiator season, especially because you can't do anything about that anymore. Now that Chapman comes into the mix, Barlow's RP 14 Chapman's RP 34. Where, where are you now? 
uh, with Barlow and, and Chapman? Are you, are you still drafting Barlow? Are you handcuffing him? Are you going for Chapman as as the the lottery ticket? I mean, because he let's be clear, we know the name, but he was terrible last year. Eighteen percent K rate, only a twenty. Excuse me, eighteen percent walk rate, only a twenty seven percent K rate, which is fine for you know Johnny Two Cents, but it's not good. For a role, for a role Chapman, yeah, like that is not a good rate for him. So he was way down from what he's at. He's going to be thirty-five. Where do you stand on this KC situation? I keep waiting for them to trade Barlow. Like I feel like they should be trading Barlow, especially if they're trading all these other pieces, and then they'll trade Chapman if they can rehab his value a little bit. And so for that reason alone, like I'm kind of just staying away from this situation until we have either some sort of resolution or the team comes out and says, Hey, no, we're starting the year with both these guys. And this is the dude in the night. Um, mm-hmm. And so then I'll feel a lot more comfortable about a guy like Barlow or even a guy like Trapman. Uh, but like uh, in this draft, like he Barlow kept falling and falling and falling. Man. And I just avoided it. He ended up going in the back end of the 10th round at like, you know, so pick one fifty, which I felt like was a really, really good value, especially in draft champions where relievers tend to go higher um, so uh, he, I'm staying away from him until I have more information, especially because you know I mentioned this recently. I don't know, can't remember which podcast. Might have it might have been Sleeping Bus, um, but I said like if I'm going to invest in a bad closer situation um, or, or a jumbled closer situation, I want to be on a good team, not a bad team. Yes, exactly. A bad team. Like if, if they end up sharing this role, am I going to care about thirty shared saves that each one might get thirteen? Like I'm. I, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah, th- thirteen a piece, and then four sprinkled amongst uh, Dylan mm-hmm. Coleman, Amir Garrett, and Josh Stoma. Stoma no, yeah. I-, I get that. Um, you know, I can make a case uh, on how their offense breaks out. I can't get there with the rotation, and I know they didn't have exactly a great rotation when they were good last time. Uh, you know, because th- where I'm going with this is like, are they trying to rebuild a great bullpen to go with a decent lineup, and then all of a sudden they're they're decent again? That rotation, even though, again, it wasn't great, it was still better than what we've seen here. With Yodani Ventura, rest in peace, Rodano Ventura, uh, Ensign Volquez, uh, Danny Duffy, Johnny Cueto, Guthrie and Chris Young were a lot like, you know, Zach Greinke and Jordan Lyles, guys that they have now. But I like Singer, but it's a bunch of Jeremy Guthrie's, really, with Greinke, Lyles, Yarbrough, and Keller. I don't understand what they're doing. Like, and I ran about either. this when Jason and I talked about Granky signing. Like, like I don't get it. Like, you're blocking Daniel Lynch. Yes. Who I, like, yeah, I know he wasn't great last year, but, but like, he showed some flashes. He showed flashes, and he's a top prospect in terms of his pedigree. They also have other guys like in the minor leagues where I go, like Jonathan Heasley should get a shot, right? Like, they have eight guys on their Max 40. Castillo. Like, yes. what do you? Jackson Core, like who cares if you're gonna be bad, be bad with the let yeah, Tit Scratch take a shot. You know, they got eight guys on their 40 man that we currently have penciled into AAA. What are you doing? That's too much. Like, I, I just don't understand the purpose of signing all these old innings eaters types that like these guys won't get you much in the trade market. Like, no, no one's trading for Zach Granke yet. The trade deadline at this no, point. you're getting like, a he's he, he probably wouldn't even be the one to be traded. Like Yarbrough, Lyles, you know, they're like you get at best if they're popping off, you get like a C plus prospect at best for yeah. one of those guys. I understand Lyles or Yarbrough, but both when you have some starting depth of intrigue, at least, and they, didn't they give them both two year deals? Like, I think so. 
I think so. Like I, I just don't understand it. Like what, what are we doing? So like I I so going back to Barlow and Chapman, I don't trust the organization like at all. Yeah. Like, so until there's some clarity, I'm just staying away. Yeah. No, I think that that's totally totally fair. And uh, as much as I had some excitement for Barlow coming in, this Chapman thing puts a kink in it, and uh, I'm 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 passing for now because of the bad team concept that you said there, and I just don't know that they're that good. Uh, Minnesota, Yohan Duran and Jorge Lopez. Two very capable guys, uh, you know, kind of the uh, situation that is envious. But this is probably what you're talking about where they are two good guys. They could split, but if you took the split here, this is a pretty quality team. You can envision mm-hmm. them winning, um, you know, 85. I guess they only won 78 last year. They kind of fell off. But I can, I can envision them winning mid-80s games. This is a pretty good team. And if they can stay healthy, if they get Lopez, Gray, and Molly, and Maeda, I know there's four guys with some health concerns, but if they get some dudes – to stay healthy here, I can see how they have a good team. Who do you lean towards uh, on Duran versus Lopez? I will tell you that Duran is RP16 because he's so good, even if he's not the closer. I think people want to have him on their team, even if it's not uh, a holds league. And then Lopez is RP22. He had that huge breakout with Baltimore, and then he did come back to the pack. But there were a couple of really negative outings that kind of boosted his numbers. So I don't know if it was just regression or if there was some bad luck there with Lopez. Where do you lean in the Minnesota bullpen? I think I lean towards Lopez just because he's cheaper. You take the um, discount, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I think these guys split this job. I mean, um, I think Duran is definitely the better reliever in – in a perfect world, he would be the shutdown ninth inning guy, but they like using him in multi-inning splits. They like using him in high-leverage situations, and so there are going to be plenty of times where there's two men on with two outs in the seventh, and they go, we're going to bring him in, and then we'll save Lopez for the ninth. Um, yeah. And I think enough of that split will be like, hey, maybe both these guys end up with like 18 saves or something like that. No, I, th- I think that that's definitely going to happen, and I agree because, you know, Duran is still has some like multi inning capability that you can really use him as that fireman there, uh, and and just you don't have to save him for the ninth every time. Mm-hmm. The hottest, the the heart of the order might come up in the seventh with a runner on already. You're going to do it on there because you know you've got Lopez protecting in the back, and I think if Lopez is still throwing 100 mile an hour sinkers, then I'm not too worried about it. Like I said, he did have yeah. a two-thirds of an inning, four runs against Cleveland. Yeah, he, he had a rough September uh, where he gave up eight runs, and that's that's going to sink you no matter what. It was over the cro- course of four outings, and, you know, that counts. I'm not saying that doesn't count or anything like that. I'm just saying I don't think he's a piece of crap. I, I, I don't think he was a fluke in Baltimore. No, not at all. All right, let's move out west then. Talk about Ryan Presley. He is RP number six. He's getting up there in age, and he seems to have kind of an injury every year. Um, you know, at 34 next year, we're not seeing the huge safe holes. He did get 33 this year. He finally eclipsed 30. Um, and I guess he's only been the full-time closer for two years. So I, I shouldn't act like he's had all these opportunities to get 30 plus saves and hasn't been able to do it, but he got 26 and 21 and then 33 this past year. Like I said, there's usually an injury. What's interesting is he went from 64 to 48 innings, but added seven saves. So he was super <laughs> effective in the 48 innings you got. Brilliant ERA, brilliant whip. He's wonderful. Do you fully trust him as RP6? Ryan Presley. No, I don't trust him as the RP6 just because of the injuries. Um, I feel like if you draft him, you have to draft Rafael Montero. Yeah. Um, which means you're kind of wasting a roster spot. 
uh, on the handcuff. And there are a lot of formats in which that is just not feasible. So like if you if you're running in an ESPN or a Yahoo league with three reserve spots, like you can't waste that on the next closer you know, root to the the guy who's going to save your closer if your closer gets injured. So yeah, you don't usually run handcuffs in formats like that. For me, like if I don't get one of the top 5, I'm probably waiting a little bit uh before I I you know get my my next closer. I'll, to I'll get wait. Pete Fairbanks. Yeah, yeah. More like Bednar or Alexis Diaz. But yeah, Pete Fairbanks is in there if he's the 70th closer off the board. Such a mean person. <laughs> I don't know why you pick on me. Um, okay, so no, I, I think I get that too. And I've been a Presley guy these, these past couple of years. He's served mm-hmm. me well, so I, I'm not I'm not hating. Huh? But I think I am going to do the year early over year late principle here where I am worried that because it, it has been consistently that lower half that's getting to him. And if it pops at age 34... I don't really want to be left holding the bag in a deeper format where taking Montero can make some sense. Cause I could use him as my ninth pitcher if I really wanted to. Okay. Maybe I'm in, but in those other formats that you're talking about where it's a bit more shallow and you don't do handcuffs, I'm leaning away from Presley and probably looking elsewhere. Let's move out to LA with the angels. And you talk about a late guy that's going, I mentioned him a bit earlier. Uh, Carlos Estevez. I think he's the dude uh, at least to you know to get the opportunity to be the dude, we'll see if he can hold it. He's RP thirty. There's also Jimmy Hergit. There's a MVP uh, vote getter Ryan mm-hmm. Tapera. How do we feel about the Angels situation panning out this year? I feel like the contract means Estevez is likely to That's get the f- first. Precisely where I come out with it. Yep. Uh, that being said, like I know a lot of people are like oh look, look at like what he was on the road like uh, in Colorado like. People stop need to stop doing that. That's not how it works. You don't I get agree. To just like keep your road work when you leave Colorado. You you, you meet somewhere halfway. I mean, yes, I think Jeff Zimmerman said like you know multiply the you know um, road work times two plus the home. Is yeah, that what he does? yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. Uh, like that isn't like a really good reliever when you do that with him. That's fair because like, the homework probably really hurts him, right? Yeah, he, he had a three fifty one ERA at home. It wasn't like he was or sorry, on the road. He wasn't elite on the road by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, I do think there's a lot more risk than maybe other people do. Um, and her, I think, is interesting as kind of the handcuff guy. But if I'm drafting one Angels reliever, it is probably Estevez. And then I'm just hoping for the best. But this is like closer three territory. I don't think exactly. you want him as your closer two. No, I, I don't think you do either. And I'm I'm big on S. Devins. I, I would consider myself big on him. And I still don't want him as my RP2 at all. Uh, he wants You want him to be three, maybe even four, if you're really loading yeah. up there. Uh, you can take the glitch. Jimmy Hurricane there. Love the way he looks out there. It's another body comp of mine. He's lean and lanky. And he's got the glasses. So he's, he's, he's adding extra mm-hmm. to the body comp out there. And he did really well last year. 248 ERA, .91 whip in 69 innings. Very nice with nine saves and uh, 63 strikeouts. Not super overpowering, but got the job done. I don't mind handcuffing them. They're both quite cheap. RP30, like I mentioned, for Estevez. RP43 for Herget. So if you are playing the speculation game late and you're not getting in on the Classes and the Batistas and even the Holmes is at RP12, if you want to play the late game, as some people do, they don't want to mess with the early closers, then LA could be a fun one for you because I... I I'm getting suckered again, Justin. I think this team could be good. They'll find a way to screw it up. Me but too. I, I, I want to believe. Remember, I picked them to win the division last year. I picked year, them to so win the World I, Series. Yeah. Um, 
I'm right there with you. Like I'm getting, we're both ready to get hurt hurt again. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, don't, don't, don't get too aggressive on Estevez. He still has something to prove, but there is some interesting talent there. Let's go to Oakland and talk about Trevor May as the primary guy. He signed a deal there. RP 39, big fan of his full disclosure. We're homies. So, you know, I'm biased toward him. I got to be honest about that. Uh, Domingo Acevedo is probably kind of that number two guy because they're going to move they're apparently moving RJ Puck back to the rotation, which I want to work so badly, but I am terrified for him just because of all the injury tumult that he's gone through. I'm just nervous, but I hope it works because uh, AJ Puck's been a favorite since he was a prospect and I just want it to be good. So Domingo Acevedo is probably that number two guy. He's RP 62. Are you messing with the Oakland bullpen at all? We know they're terrible, but do you like to get the guy in a, in a shit bullpen? How do you feel about Oakland? All right, so, I mean, I have to ask kind of a procedural question before I answer this. Okay. So, as the editor of Rotographs, do you actually read articles that you edit oh, or you God. just edit them? Because I don't edit Jeff, yours. You edit your own. I'm talking about Jeff Zimmerman's Mining the News where he said oh, that Danny Jimenez is actually the leading candidate okay, I forgot about for that. the closing job. In I, did, I did forget about that. Um, that's, that's I think Trevor May makes a lot of sense because they signed him – for money but that's not that's not only and that's a good that's a good lesson in mm-hmm. it not being the end all be all right we, we use yeah. that a lot but if a team's telling you the, the opposite pay attention to them yeah i did gloss over that i i will and you know what it's because i got so caught up on the aj puck will be shifted to the rotation that i just didn't read the rest and it's and literally did, the next you, line. yeah exactly when you um introduced this topic i think you called him rj puck which kind of confused me a little bit. I have no idea. Um, But uh, that being said, like, uh, yeah, I think I'm taking the shot on Danny Jimenez right now, (laughs) just because he is extremely cheap right now. Uh, I'm actually, you gotta have like no cost five ninety ADP right now. There you go. Beginning of the year. So uh, with his min pick being three sixty five, max pick being seven thirty eight. So. Yeah, I don't I mean, even know what uh, what number RP that is. I'm just going to put his ADP on the sheet here. Yeah, so uh, yeah, he's going really, really, really cheap. Uh, I think that's the gamble. But I also think that I would not be surprised if this is split kind of between three guys. And now mm-hmm. you're talking about 15 potential saves being split between three guys. Because as much as I made some money last year, I made some money last year betting the under on Oakland wins. Uh, Another one of those those bets that uh, I I won last year against you. You you beat Um, me on that. Yep. I uh, said they don't bottom out and they bottomed out. This could be the worst team ever in Major League Baseball. It really could, dude. Like, I'm like, and I'm not being hyperbolic. Like, it is legitimately bad to the point where i had booked scott jensted to do the oakland A's preview and then felt bad for him so i recorded it ahead of time so we could have a different topic <laughs> that's so funny like we're, we're friends man i can't do that yeah you know, I, I, um, I like him too much yeah the the offense is so dreadful you know i i can make and a they case. traded away like their best pitching like i mean they- i know I, I can make a case for some of the pitching but it, it can only get you so far right but like, the, the hard part is 
with no win potential as a starting pitcher there. Exactly. You now have to be a three-category stud, Yep. and there aren't any. They're not studs because even the guys I like, like Walden Chuck, I still got some love for J.P. Sears. Shintaro Fujinami has some intrigue, but what are you really getting from them? None of them are strikeout monsters. Yeah, Shin- Shintaro's going to have whip issues because he has yeah. control problems. Exactly. Uh, you know, like Blackburn would have strikeout issues too, even if you buy have, in on what yeah. he did last year. Mm-hmm. Caprillion yeah. can't stay healthy. So, yeah, I like Waldachuk. He could be the best, but what is the best Oakland starter? Like, yeah. listen. It's probably Waldachuk, but I don't care. It, it yeah. pro- exactly. And Puck it wouldn't go enough innings because even if this does work, we're talking probably like 120 innings managed throughout the yeah. year. Like, if you, wa- if you want to waste 45 minutes, go listen to the Oakland A's preview. <laughs> On the Friends fans, you guys were podcast. able to get forty-five minutes on it. I don't know how me and I'm Bruce Cagle Jr. did it, but um, I'm yeah, impressed. it was. I I I hadn't thought about drinking in a really long time, been sober <laughs> for like almost eighteen years at this point, and I I, I needed it an after it. that. Yeah, you, you call. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm in a bad spot. Yeah, I had to call my sponsor and everything. Yeah. Um, who are you drafting? On just a quick tangent on offense. Who are you drafting, if anybody? Seth, Seth Brown. Brown? Ramon Laureano at pick 17. No. Laureano, I'm way below Laureano in terms of the ADP versus my projections. 217 is pretty high. Are you in on Estuary Ruiz at 252? I'm nowhere near no. by the way. I, uh, I think you can make the argument just because I think he can steal 30 bases. He can, um, but with a 108 average, I, I don't believe in his hitting at all. What yeah. about, um, we'll give him the catcher eligibility. It's, he's but like, he right could, now. He could be like Corey Mateo-ish. Yeah. He could, uh, but that's about it. Uh, Shea Langlier's is UT only right now, so you have to draft him as such, but you're going to get that eligibility in a week. So are you drafting yeah. catcher eligible Shea Langlier's at 292? I definitely would consider it. Okay, so that's probably the one that you, yeah. you'd be interested in, or Seth Brown at pick 205. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Seattle. This feels pretty much like Minnesota right down to the fact that they have the best guy is probably the, the one who won't, be the the a the a closer Andres Munoz and then the secondary guy Paul Seawald probably going to get more of the saves but he's just not quite as good he's the Jorge Lopez in this instance and it's a quality team that I can see winning another you know they won 90 last year I can see another 85 plus this year do you see that similarly similarly to the Minnesota situation where it's a pretty close split and um, you, you'd rather maybe take the guy who's a little bit cheaper uh, in Paul Seawald because he goes after Andres Munoz. Now it's not as big of a split. Remember that was Duran mm-hmm. was 16. Lopez was RP 22. This is Munoz RP 18 Seawald RP 20. How do you play the Seattle situation? I don't tend to dip my toes into it. I think Andres Munoz could be like an elite top five closer if he mm-hmm. got the job. Um, but I don't think they're going to commit to him there. I think they want him to be the fireman. And I think both Seawald and Munoz are coming off of like either offseason surgeries or offseason injuries. And like, I don't even know if either of them are going to be completely ready to start the season. Um, did you learn that in mining the news? I did not. They were uh, both actually, in recent I mining Alex, the news. Is- okay. Alex Fass uh, had an interview with Paul Seawald on Hitchcock. Um, yes. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm just a little skeptical. Plus, I, I mean, I think this is such a good bullpen. You could see like four or five different guys be getting saves, and True. it wouldn't be surprising to me. I'm more than likely, unless one guy really falls in a draft, just not going to end up with a lot of these guys, even though I think Seattle's a really good team and it's a really good spot to pitch. Yeah, I think that's fair. I've already got some Munoz, and I think that's 
probably going to be it that I get just to just to have a little piece in case he does go crazy because I agree with you that Munoz, if given the full-time job, could absolutely be a top five guy and just go absolutely berserk. Mm-hmm. He's a total monster. But I just don't think that they're going to commit to him like that. And thus, I want to be careful. I don't want to stock up too much on him and and not being, being able to get saves from a guy that I am using because his strikeouts and ratios are so good. I want those saves. So I totally get that. That's where I feel feel about mm-hmm. Seattle. And I, I sent you that clip of the mining the news. Yep. They did both get cleanups. They're expected to be ready for opening day, but we know how those expectations can go. So be careful. Just be smart about yep. it. Don't let don't let your eyes get too big for your stomach there when you're looking at them. Uh, you know, like when you're looking at their their stat sheets. I know the 39% strikeout rate for Munoz is really, really sexy, but just temper yourself unless you're in league with me overdraft the shit out of them. I don't care. <laughs> no skin off my back. And let's finish off the American league with Texas, which is another job that could be split, but obviously in a much uh, uh, lower level here, Jose Leclerc is RP 19. There's some confidence in him. He came back at the end of the year and looked quite sharp. And then my boy, Jonathan Hernandez is lurking. He's RP 69, which is pretty nice price. Uh, you know, way late. You don't have to really invest much there. If you did get Leclerc, you can back up your guy pretty easily in like a draft champions how do you feel about the Texas situation? And don't forget LeClerc, going back to our uh, theories earlier about uh, contracts, he does have a contract. And and so he is already getting paid six mil this year, which again, doesn't guarantee anything, but it is something to at least be aware of because teams like to get as much value as they can. And I think it's not even so much that they like need to quote unquote get value out of it. It's that sometimes they keep guys out of the closers role because arbitration pays for saves Mm -hmm. and they don't have to worry about that with LeClerc. So that's more the interest of the contract than anything else. What do you think about Texas between LeClerc and Hernandez? I think it's LeClerc though. I'm going to be very, very careful in terms of like loading up until I see him pitching in spring training. I want to see what his walk uh, rate is in spring training because this is a guy that, can walk the yard. I mean, he's got Big a time. career 14% walk rate. That's really um, rough. Yeah, that's really, really tough. Now, he doesn't give up home runs, um, and he gets a lot of strikeouts. And mm-hmm. he was fantastic when he came back last year uh, and finished the year as the closer. So, like, those are all things I really like out of a closer. He's going really cheap as well. So, I, I do expect to get a good amount of Leclerc, but if he is, like, really, really wild in spring training, I may start, like, loading up on guys I think could get this role. Jonathan Hernandez being one of them. Uh, Joe Barlow being another. I think they signed Ian Kennedy, too, to a non-roster invite deal. Um, He could be another guy that uh, I get interested in. But for right this minute, I think LeClerc is the dude. Are you okay paying that price um, once... Once you see LeClerc, if he's good to go and he's not walking everybody, he's just kind of normal normal closer control issues, are you okay at RP19 for LeClerc? I think so. Um, I mean, I'm hoping by the time we get to RP19, I've already got two closers. Yeah, that'd Uh, be nice. But, like, for instance, in this draft where I'm at right now, like, I got an early closer, and then I waited way too long and missed out on a lot of guys. Ended up having to, like, I I didn't get Daniel Hudson. Oh, I got, like, Brandon Hughes. We'll talk about it on on the Friday pod. But, um, you know, like, I feel very uncomfortable. I wish I'd gotten Jose Leclerc. I've done that before, too, and I feel so bad because I agree. You kind of you waste your stud a little bit. Mm-hmm. Some people say, like, oh, I don't have to get a second one because I got the stud. I think you go the other way. You back up your stud. Not not necessarily with another one. You don't have to get you don't have to get freaking um, class A because you got 
Diaz or even like Ryan Helsley. But I don't know that I want to wait till Brandon Hughes, who we will, again we will talk yeah. about. Yeah, especially in, in a draft champions, like there's no fab. Like you can't exactly. pick anybody up in season. So like you definitely want to hit on a late closer, but you also want to feel like, hey, I've got two guys that are I feel pretty confident about. And if you know, hopefully I hit on a third, or if one of these guys do end up falling out, like I'll hit on a third or a fourth, you know, somewhere down the road. But like, I don't want to be like, I have to hit on one of these kind of crappy, you know, dart throws. In uh, that's the situation I'm in right now in this league, like the team otherwise, though. Yeah, and it was an interesting build that veered from what you normally do, too, which I think is always fun to kind of try something a little bit different, see how it works. Mm-hmm. You know, we sometimes get set in our ways, like, this is how I draft. And it's like, well, there are other ways to win. Let's try something different. So that's a cool draft that you did as it continues on 30 more rounds there. We will talk NL on Friday. Uh, plenty of studs over there to, to get into as well. Curious how people are attacking closers. So if you want to comment on this uh, uh, on the page or on Twitter at Spore at Justin FWFB, excuse me, uh, let us know what you're doing with closer because in draft champions, I think if you wait too long, it can be tough. You got to spike something. And do you want to pin your hopes on getting lucky? But I also know that some people will get really, really nervous about taking like a second, third, fourth round closer. Yeah, yeah, I think I think if you have never played draft champions and you come in and you see those prices, you're like, what the hell is going on? I'm not paying that crap. And you kind of got to pay that crap if you mm-hmm. want to succeed in these leagues. So we'll talk more on Friday. But until then, Justin, have a good one. Take it easy.